walked around this morning with a baseball bat and it scared some people. It shouldn't, as long as you tithe 10%. (laughs) I'm glad y'all laughed. Sometimes I don't know if my, that's like an exclusive preacher joke. As the lights come up in the room, I'll let you open in your Bible to Romans chapter 8 today. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Man, what a wonderful thing to see uh, all of the students um, that God is raising up uh, in and through the ministry of our church um, and also the students that are, are still being uh, raised up. Uh, it's, it's neat to see how that dynamic works together. And when we're planning out um, the year, um, I really desired for this passage of scripture to land on this day and as we prepared for it and I found out that I will be sharing the message on this day earlier and I just thought Lord what a good thing to do I don't know about you but a lot of our life has revolved around sports are you that way Um, baseball is a love in our church home Uh, it's just an, an amazing thing it extends past our church our family to my siblings and all those kinds of things but, but sports is really where I learned how to be a dad, and I think where our, my son started learning markers of growth in his life. I don't know if that's true with you and your, your child or, or your daughter uh, in that. Maybe it wasn't sports. Maybe it was a, a fine art or, or something else along the way. Um, but with, with Connor, it was, it was baseball. And I remember just the markers of new days that would never be uh, returned to, the new days that would never be new again, and we could never go back. And, and that started, like many of you guys, with just a ball. Do you remember those days when just, let's see if that's not going to work, when just having a ball in your hand and tossing it to your child and they stopped it was wonderful? Do you remember that? Like, it was just such a neat thing. And then when they could go chase it, that was even better. It's like, I'm going to roll it past you for a moment so that you turn around so I can have a swig of water or train you out, whatever we need to do. But I remember that ball just passing the ball. And then I remember the stage when we bought our first glove. We were living in spring, and it was the first time I really got to throw a baseball with Connor. Parents, do you remember the first time? Has anyone ever thrown a baseball with a toddler before? It looks like this. Right? And the ball's over here, but they're still reaching over here. But once that glove was on their hand, throwing that giant bouncy ball, it wasn't going to work anymore. It wasn't, it's not as fulfilling. I mean, Connor and I can't sit down at, at 18 and roll the ball back and forth for an hour and have a wonderful time. That phase is gone. And, and when this glove came on, it was, it was different. But then there was the day when we joined T-ball, Right? And once that bat was in his hand, that glove was nice, but everybody likes hitting, amen? Some of us dream of it, but but everybody likes hitting. And once that ball was on that tee, and praise the Lord for rules that say, you know, you get five swings and you just get to run to first, right? It's just t-ball with a toddler was like you're praying they run to first instead of third you know that they don't see their friend in the field and take a detour and visit for a little bit and and it's really cute when they're three but once they learn the game and they move into that next phase like a high school baseball player going instead of running to first and going to talk to his buddy in right field that's not cute anymore is it 
that we've passed that phase. We've moved past it. I remember when we moved from T-ball to uh, coach pitch, and uh, I, some of you guys are like me. Uh, I, I see these dads throwing a, a baseball to the kids at the home plate, and they can't get it over. I'm thinking, you're standing 14 feet away. This can't be that hard. And so one day a guy called me on my bluff, and I'm like, no problem. You know, and all of our kids swung out because I couldn't get the ball. You remember those days, dads? We actually learned coach pitch baseball, Connor and I, in a church league that I walked away from because the other coach was teaching their catcher to run over the smaller kids. And so, hey, if, if they were in the line and they had the ball, so, so we stopped playing baseball because of church, praise Jesus. Um, but, but when that phase was done, we started moving into new phases. And as, as Connor has gotten older now, we still throw the ball in the front yard. It's not as fun for him because he can throw it a long way, and then he has to run up about 150 feet, and I get to throw it to him. It's like we're reversing. But each phase, each step of the way, those markers happen, and you can't go backwards. You can't, you can't do it again because you've entered into something new. And that's what Romans 8 is about. Look at Romans 8, chapter 1, chapter 8, verse 1. This is what the Bible says. It says, Therefore, there is now, excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Th those two words, therefore and now being together, that's a meaningful thing, y'all. What it's emphatic. It's saying that now right here in this place you are entering in a new era like something completely different has come and you can't forget everything that's come before that in romans chapter 7 right who will rescue me who will deliver me is where we ended last week praise be to god or thanks be to god through christ jesus our lord that's what that's chapter 7 ends with and it transitions then now therefore now there is no condemnation through Christ Jesus our Lord. There is none of those for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and that marker is different. It's the Holy Spirit using Paul to say, today is a different day. And for our seniors, over the next week, they will experience that day. When they are no longer student, teenagers, elementary school, sitting in a desk at school, that, that phase is behind them. And there's a new door of opening that's a different kind of experience. For those of you who've had kids go to college, that first summer they come back, you still are a little anxious when they're out past 10 o'clock. And they've been out staying out past 10 o'clock for the last nine months straight. We're adjusting. That sophomore year of college, they feel like they're visiting a little bit more because they've had two years of life establishment. That junior year of college, you're praying that you see them for a few weeks because many of them have a job somewhere and they're staying in the home they have. And then when they graduate from college, it's a new era again. Amen? <laughs> for some of us, we have those boomerang kids. I don't think that's of the Lord, just so you all know. No, but there's new eras. And so we know that those markers change everything. 
And what scripture points to in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is that a new error becomes and happens when we have received deliverance through Jesus Christ. This is not an age-based era. This is not a marker that happens when you turn 12, when you're old enough to say this, when you can confess that, when you can memorize this. It's not that kind of era. It's an error that's marked by the blood of Christ and it is received and given and started in your life when you have received him as your Lord and Savior, as your master and your sovereign. And here's what holds in that new error. There's no condemnation. Here's what the word condemnation means. It's, it's a very judicial term. It's meant to be that way. But as you look at the uses for it, this is what it means. There is no punishment. There is no penalty. There is no criticism. There is no vilification for those who are in Christ Jesus. Th that's what it means. In that new era, it, it means that there is no penalty waiting for you on the day of judgment. There's no condemnation. There's, there's no vilification. You are not an enemy of God in Christ Jesus even as you are imperfectly being sanctified to glorification. It's not there. And here's what's interesting. Condemnation is the currency of our culture. It's the fuel of our society, isn't it? I mean, how do you get elected as a politician? Vilification, criticism, penalty, or punishment. Amen? I mean, that's how we motivate a crowd. How do, we, how do we influence people in education? Well, sometimes vilification. I mean, Aggies, we would never do that, but UT does it to everybody. We, we use vilification in relationships. Relationships. Don't we use condemnation, penalty, punishment, criticism? I mean, how many children have we seen their lives just deteriorate because of those things? That's the currency we deal with. And what's funny is it doesn't go away. It extends in adulthood. Condemnation is the currency. As repulsive as it is, it is highly effective. As much as we don't like it, it's like that baby blanket. I mean, do you remember these baby blankets? Like the one you could never wash, but it had two years worth of drool and spit on it, right? Like if you were to send it off, like it could kill societies all over the world. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? It, it's it's the, ta the, the towel when someone comes to your house with a blanket, you're like, oh, you don't want to use that one. Like, that's <laughs> not yours. I feel like condemnation has made its place. And it can make its place in churches. Have you heard the, how that guy preaches? Have you seen that they do small groups off campus, not on campus? Man, have you seen those people, how they dress? Have you, have you talked to those people? I can't believe that. They go to a Baptist church. They go to a non-denomination. I mean, we, we are so comfortable as a society with condemnation. And the catch, the, the twist of all of it is, is that those who are slaves, in other words, not in Christ Jesus, slaves to the law, 
that's the currency we deal with but in christ jesus you have a new era that opens up an era where there is no punishment awaiting you there's no penalty that you need to work off to enter into his presence there's no villain uh, that exists and you aren't the villain and you haven't ruined your story you were these things but now you're not and that's what romans 8 is all about is that feels comfortable and that's what's on the news and that's what happens in your workplace that's what happens in school because those who are not in christ jesus have not entered into a new era they are still slaves and, and you were made for something different and in christ jesus you experience that new life and the rest of our time today we're just going to walk with paul in the spirit and unpack what that means okay that's all the rest of this all points to verse one so if you get nothing else it's all about verse one look in your bible verse two and we'll go through part of verse three in this and this is how we get going because this is where it gets pretty good for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in christ jesus from the law of sin and death for what the god has done god has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do and this starts a two-part equation you're right seniors welcome back to math class religion style right this is what it looks like what the lord says is there's two problems that we're going to solve we're going to look at how they work out and what they mean so that you can have clarity to understand what it's like to live in the new era and why it's different and the first one is this that god has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do remember as we've walked through romans the law is not bad it is not evil do you remember that conversation there's nothing wrong with the law the law is god's good gift but when you have god's good gift and broken sinful people the outcome is weaker than it should be or could be when you have god's good gift in the hands of broken sinful people the outcome is weakened and here's what i want you to know you might say how do i weaken the law we have a men's softball team girls you're invited to if you're better than us it doesn't take much this is a, our softball bat it's mine and connor's we're believing that there's something in here that's powerful here's the problem this softball bat i've watched a lot of youtube videos on it it's perfectly fine it's good isn't it i mean you just kind of look at it it's got a big old fat sweet spot that's made for novice people like me to hit well like this bat is good but when it's in my hand it's weakened you see what i mean because if i can't hit the ball the bat doesn't do what it's supposed to do or if i hit the ball incorrectly if i swing late if i swing high if i swing low nothing has changed about the bat the problem is a good bat is in the hands of not a good hitter you follow me nothing changed about the bat it's just not able to do anything good except prove how bad i am right when you can full swing bunt church that's a gift you see this is what paul says he says with the law 
under the era outside, era outside of Christ, nothing was broken about the law, but in your hands, it just proved how broken you were. It just proved to everybody that you're not able to stand up to the task. It just proves it. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If you put this into the hands of, of Jose Altuve, you know what it does for Jose Altuve? It proves that he's pretty decent 30% of the time. I'm pretty sure that's failing. And I, no one's, has any parent ever looked over your kids like, listen, new baseball standard, if you'll just get a 30 on every test, I'll be elated. Anyone ever say that? No, even in the hands of Jose Altuve, who's just a, a ball killer, the bat doesn't have a problem. It's still good. The problem is, as much better as he is than I am, it still proves that 70% of the time he misses the mark. He's still broken. You can put this into the hands of anyone in all of history. And what it testifies is, you may be better off than them, but you are still broken when it comes to being right and using it perfectly. You follow me? That's what Paul says. He says the law is not bad, but what it does is it proves you deserve the penalty, the wage of your sin. It proves that you're broken because it's good. And if it's good, plus X equals broken, and you're X. You're a slave. And so you do stand penalized. You do stand condemned. You are worthy of discipline and the condemnation to come. But, read 3 and verse 4 with me again. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteous, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to a flesh, but according to the, to the riches of the Spirit. Now, now check this out. When I read through that, it just makes me think, of the mercy of God. Because here's what happens. When Jesus Christ came on the screen scene, he picked up the law and he says, every time. Every time's a home run. Every time, I'm not just making contact. Every time, I'm knocking it out of the park. You throw me a curveball, I'll knock it out of the park. Slider, knock it out of the park. You want to throw me a sinker? One of these underhanded crazy throws that Zanky used to do? It doesn't matter. I'm going to hit it every time perfectly because although I came in the flesh, I did not come in sin. And so every time sin tempted the Savior with a funky pitch, he condemned it. Every time it approached him, he judged it. Every time it came his way. He disciplined it. The good law in the hands of the Son of God equals life. It equals knowing what joy and excitement look like. Verse 4, 
in order that the righteous requirement might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what Paul is saying. If you want to know how to live a life where there is truly no condemnation, then you have a very clear choice. You can say, I'm going to do it my way. And the world may praise you for stinking it up 70% of the time. They may call you a wonderful moral person because your 30% of awesomeness and 70% of failure is so much better than everybody else's 10% of awesomeness and 90% of failure. They may tell you how wonderful you are, but the reality is you'll know the truth. So you can take the law of God into your own hands and say, God, I can hit it every time. There will never be a, a test I fail, and I will prove there's another way. And you will find something. Or you can place the bat in the hands of the Son of God and say, will you pinch hit for me every time? Will you cover me? I'll do what you do. I'll say what you say. I'll go where you go. You can choose to find your own way or you can choose to follow him as the way. Look at verse 5. The Bible says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For those who set the mind on the flesh is death. But who... But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, 4, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the deal. For there, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's our anchor verse. Paul's now unpacked this a little bit, and he said, here's the deal. In your hands, the law, it leads you to what you deserve condemnation discipline rejection the wages of your sin the hand the law in the hands of christ is freedom for all who walk behind him he's already unpacked that for us but then he goes a little bit further here and he under unpacks this way of the flesh he says how do you know if you have your your future in your hands or if you've handed it over how do you know that and he says well very easy if you have taken the law and your future and eternity in your own hands, then your mind is set on the flesh. It's tied to this world. What are you going to do to get ahead? How are you going to make it? How are you going to navigate? What am I going to do? It's literally the American way. It's the way that tempts every father to provide a good life for their family, even while their family falls apart. the way that provides an excuse for your sins because the ends justify the means it's a way that says they need to get out of their system or tempts you to make your own rules in order to win the scripture says that that way will never make you in a good relationship with God There's no excuse where it says, I know this is sin, but 
God, let me take the bath. That's what Paul says. That's the weaker way. When it says that this mind, those who are in the flesh, cannot please God, I want you to know, church, when you and I chase after the American way and not the way, the truth, and the life, you and I are irritating God. When you and I set our minds on the things of the flesh, that that irritates the Lord. It doesn't please Him. I told our youth workers last, last Friday night, I've never seen a parent ground their children from homework. Amen? But I can count hundreds that have grounded them from church. I, I very rarely see a parent say, listen, you're going to you're gonna have to do this to miss baseball practice tonight because the worldly coach says if you don't practice, you don't play. But I often hear the excuse, I wish we could be in a small group or I wish my child could be there. Well, we've got something else. What we're saying is, God, you have the bat, but what we really mean is I just give it to you when I don't think I can make the shot. When we set our minds on the things of the flesh is our highest aim. When we pass on to our children the things of the flesh and Jesus on the side is our highest game. Students, when you chase after the Lord academically, if you set your mind that I'm going to college and it is on purposes or results of your fleshly future, you're going to be disappointed. Because that's the weaker way. Matthew 6, 33, but seek you first, what? The kingdom of God. And all of these things will be what? Added unto you. I'm, I'm positive the God that created the word and even the ability to learn that he is for education. Amen? Like, I'm, I'm, I believe that. I believe that God who made our muscle structures work and our coordination happen the way it is. I believe he likes sports. I believe that heaven is going to be full of life and activity. But when we take the gift of God or the gifts of God and we subject them to the flesh, then we are perverting the goodness of God. But when we take those very same things and say, God, everything I do, let it set my eye on the Spirit. Every thought that I have, let me, let me put my eyes on you. What Scripture says is you'll delight in those things in a different way, but don't you dare expect the world to like your standard. Look at verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. There is no peace. There is no victory. There is no life here. And there's no way to change what's on the horizon. But that's not true in Christ Jesus. What the Bible says about Christ Jesus is that his way is easy. And that you can live according to the Spirit. All you have to do is make sure your mind and your body submit to him in everything. It's really that easy. Do you want the way of life? Do you want to live in the spirit? Do you want a home run every time? 
then you set your mind on the Spirit. When you're studying, you set your mind on the Spirit. When you're working, you set your mind on the Spirit. When you're going to school, you set your mind on the Spirit. When you're going to the baseball field, you set your mind on the Spirit. And you listen to the Spirit because you submit yourself to Him. And then you'll be living a life that is free. Because there is no penalty, there's no vilification, there's no discipline needed for those who are in Christ Jesus. What awaits you today and for eternity is life and peace. But here's the problem. You're not going to have a lot of great examples in this world. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of parents, who are dressed in their Sunday clothes saying, I follow Jesus but they never put the bat down. They never drop the, the bat and put it in the hands of Christ. And so when they are tasting the fruit of fleshly thinking and life isn't full, you see them wrestle with why is God letting me down? You see them act one way in their Sunday clothes, but you know the truth. Let me tell you something. One, we have one who we can trust every moment all the time, and that's King Jesus. If you are an adult or a parent or a friend in this room, the best thing that we can do is those moments when we take the flesh of this world in our hands and we get caught up into it, is we confess our sin and we turn our back on we put what we have taken from the Lord back in the hands of the Lord because it's always better there than here. Because that's the way that the Lord has made. And in that moment, that's where life is. That's where hope is. That's where joy is. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we won't ever find ourselves disappointed or let down. And I know, I know in this room there are some of you that will say, you practice your religion, I'll practice mine, and we'll see who God forgives in the end. If that's on your heart, you stand condemned. Because it's not my religion and it's not yours. It is Jesus and only Jesus or nothing else. And I get it. I've raised my children. I have fought those battles. And I have lost more than I would want to confess. But don't stand your ground. Because you are stealing life from yourself. From your children. And from those who witness your testimony you live life with your Christian clothes on I know for many we have talked to Jesus and tasted Jesus but we have not submitted our heart to the spirit I am telling you there is real life and peace waiting for you tomorrow and for eternity but it's only found in those who are in Christ Jesus
Because in him, there is no penalty. There is no vilification. There is no condemnation. Verse 9, you, however, are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, if the spirit of God dwells in you, the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, then that person doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, although you are broken, although you are imperfect, although you make mistakes, although you said what you shouldn't have said, although you've been where you shouldn't have been, hmm, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There's the gift of graduation. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the same God who raised him from the dead will give you life right here and right now, and it won't fade. You'll still live in the same broken world and your same brokenness, but you'll have life swelling up instead of death tearing down. This morning, if you don't know that Jesus, the Jesus who is Lord of all in your life, I want you to know that Jesus died and his spirit penned these words through Paul so that you would not have to stand in the era of condemnation any longer. So that you could live life and peace in Christ. And that you could see that blossom everywhere your hand goes. In our softball league, they allow us one pinch runner. And it's fun. Our young guys, they, they can't wait to be a pinch runner. Do you know why? Scoring is fun. Amen? This morning, you might need to turn the bat over and delight in his victory that he allows you to be a part of the cheering I love it. No one says, oh, don't cheer for a guy running to second. He didn't hit the ball. Nobody says that. Be excited because it's better than you dream. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, there's no penalty. There's no vilification. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a new era. Lord, the truth is it hits home. You are perfect and we are not. And every time we pick up the bat of the law, the bat of trying to get it right, Lord, our mind is on the flesh and failure is at hand and we are let down so much more often than our temporary pickups allow. But in your son, Jesus, you made a way. He perfectly handled the law and he broke an opening to a new life of peace and grace and victory and joy through him, but only through him.
So Lord, as we long as Christians to chase after you, when our mind is tempted by the flesh, God, let us repent quickly and let us make whatever we're doing subject to your Lordship. Let us repent quickly. And God, I, I pray that the older we get, the longer we walk with you, that you would make those needs to repent, that they would grow shorter because you're making us more and more like you. And for God, in this room, Lord, if there are any men, women, boys, or girls holding the bat, failing most of the time and living off the 10%, Father God, I pray that you would show them and redeem them through the joy of your son to know that life is so much better than that so much better than just trying to get ahead well we love you